Welcome to America's most livable city. Please ignore the invisibles with me. See Pittsburgh, we built its economy, but we still need the nation in black poverty. Welcome to America's most livable city. Just ignore the invisibles with me. And state your business, because the place you live in depends on your race and privilege. Hello, everybody. And welcome to What Black Pittsburgh Needs to Know. It is Tuesday at 2. We have not been coming to you as consistently as we have before. Trying to get uh, the three of us and our schedules together has been more than a challenge. But we've got a lot to talk about today. And of course, uh, I am joined today by Dr. Jamil Bay, who is a president of the Urban Kind Institute, and uh, by Jasiri X, who is a co-founder of One Hood Media, and man, I've missed being on with you guys. We have just been struggling to kind of get everything uh, lined up, but uh, sometimes in a room together, sometimes not. It's all because, you know, Dr. Dr. Bay runs the city and, every, and everything else true. in the country. So he just gets to periodic. <laughs> it's his fault, y'all. I didn't know that was it. I'm thinking this, <laughs> trying to get back to this hybrid of in-person, virtual, you know, that, that's disrupted a whole lot. Yeah, I think we all travel a bit too, so it has made it interesting. But it it has not lightened the the interesting things that are happening in the, the discussion. We're not here to talk about them because there's still a lot been happening. Let's start like we always do, though. Uh, Doctor Bay, COVID is is doing what He's we knew back. it was going to do. <laughs> if we didn't keep masking, it was going to change because that's what viruses do. And this last version. Yeah, it kind of hit me in the head a month ago, and I went from not knowing very many people at all who had COVID to just about everybody I've talked to who's had had it. Uh, what is going on? So this it, it's a combination. This latest variant, and you see some cities they're talking about you know LA wearing masks again, and you know I think politically that's going to be a hard sell um, because you know with the science about mask is definitely strong mask work, but masking policies don't always work because of the inconsistencies in the way that people wear masks and take them down when we're talking. But, but the point is, this virus is still present. I think, you know, last month, 42 people in Allegheny County died from the virus. Um, and so it's still, you know, it's still here. Folks are still dying. People are still getting, you know, sick. And we should still be careful and practicing, you know, keeping your distance, limiting your exposure, staying outdoors with folks, and washing your hands. You know, these things still make sense. Yeah. In the next month or two, we may get another bump because we've had all of these things downtown. We had the, you know, all these gatherings and the music and the Pickleberg and all this other stuff. And the thing is, you don't really know. We're probably, what, seeing half of what's actually happening? Because I know when I got it, I didn't report it to the county. I had my little home test. And I was like, oh, damn, I got COVID. And there I went down for the count for about a week. So right, with the, over, with the over-the-counter tests and, you know, folks still not testing. And so everything's not reported. And everybody does not get, you know, sick to the point where they need to be hospitalized. Right. And so a lot of that is, is, is going down, but hospitalization numbers and death numbers, you know, are telling us those more severe cases. And we see that those are, you know, where they were, you know, at the last peak. And so we do know those serious cases that are showing up, you know, it, it's still here with us. 
even even though the biggest fear we had in our family is is my brother has has been treated for leukemia, and you know we all got together and he got it and he ended up hospitalized and even though he'd had multiple shots, you know it hit him like a brick in the head. So um, anyway, I just want you guys to think about your relatives who may not have the immune systems um, to to fight back as strongly. Um, we all want to be out and about, but just think about your family. It's a numbers game for, and it's not only old folks, you know, four of the people who died in Allegheny County last month were between the ages of 25 and 44. Wow. And so it's not only old people, you know, but it's it. It's, it's, this is still something that you should be aware of and it's not, let's dismiss it. It's not over it because we want it to be. So how do we, um, because I think like we have two things happening right now and this is, a question uh, uh, directed to you, Dr. Bay, because, you know, we're in the midst of, I mean, obviously COVID is not going away. We're seeing more different variants, but at the same time, you also have this move of like people now saying like, you need to come back to work. You need to be like physically present in a building. Um, so how do you maneuver on that? You know what I'm saying? Like what recompense or, or, or what, how, how would you recommend, you know, somebody talking to their employer that's saying like, despite these rises, despite everything that's happening, we got to come back to work in person. Yeah. You're going to try to pull me into some labor law conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, I don't, I don't know how you're going to fight that. I mean, I, I'm still, I mean, I would still advise employers to give folks the latitude, you know, if you can still be effective working remotely, and folks want to do that, allow them to do that. Right. I mean, is, you know, keep workers happy if they're being productive. Right. I mean, that's just makes good sense. But like you said, there are folks, you know, and it's, it may not be you, you may not feel like you're vulnerable, but you, your mother may be. And so you still are exposed, you know, exposing folks and having the boost, you know, boosted vaccine and having have had a case before makes you less vulnerable, but not invulnerable. Right. You know, so the, you know, some of these deaths are with people who've had the virus before or who've had vaccinations. We can get fired right now. It used to be like two or three months. And, you, and if you've had it, you were good. And now they're like, eh, you get it two weeks ago, you can get it tomorrow. True. And so that's, that's not working. I mean, viruses are just smart. They just recreate and they try to figure out other ways to attach and they, they continue to evolve. And because we didn't do what we were supposed to do in the first place, this thing has gotten way of a head start on us. And, and, and other vir viruses, you know, smallpox, chickenpox, monkeypox, you know, they're much more predictable only because they've been around for a much longer time and, you know, their patterns are known. This is still COVID-19, 2019. You're still learning what this virus does and how it behaves. All right. So we, we've got a lot more to talk about, but that, you know, this is how we started. This is what we're going to continue to do in terms of communicating with, with, with our folks that, you know, this is a real deal. Uh, on a lighter note, we, we had a stadium change. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, <laughs> do that too long, but folks are right here in mourning. Heinz, Heinz Field is no longer. What are your thoughts on that, gentlemen? I mean, it, it's funny because, I mean, you know, people see Heinz as a part of the region, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so like it being Heinz Field kind of, and Heinz ketchup kind of fit into it. But um, yeah, I went a whole, I went a whole day calling it a, a creature. Um, 
me too. Before I realized that it was uh, Acrisure. Um, so, but I mean, you know, this is, you know, that's capitalism. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody has their mm. bag, you know, we say big banks take little banks. So I guess uh, uh, Acrisure able to get that money <laughs> up and now it's Acrisure Stadium, you know? I mean, right. it's, it's it's a hell of a marketing deal because who the hell knew what Acrisure was before then? I certainly didn't. Now it's sitting no, on, you know, the, the now, now you all know you get you know, so you were sold from the Moore plantation to the Smith plantation. Take <laughs> your ass to work. <laughs> well, on that note, wow. <laughs> I thought about it quite through that list, uh, Dr. Bay, but thank you. I mean, for I mean, but it's money, it's capitalism. Who paid? Who paid? That's the brand. Shut up and go That's to work. What are you going to do? Money. So there we are. There we are. You know, I, but I, I think what was, was interesting and, and the thing that's been interesting to me ever since I moved to Pittsburgh, is the intensity of response to anything Steelers. I mean, it's just, I mean, these folks were like, it was, it was funny. I, I couldn't stay off Twitter when it happened. And it's it's not just the Steelers' response. We respond to Heinz viscerally. You know, give somebody some Hunt's ketchup or some other brand of ketchup and see if you don't. I got to stop in my old kitchen uh, because I pulled out some Hunt's and yeah, there was, it was, I was like, what? Look at that ketchup. I'm like, what happened? What's wrong? Is it all? What happened? So that loyalty is real around here. (laughs) That is me. I do. Oh, yes. You try, you try to give me some hunts, you might get it might get smacked off the table. I mean, yeah, I, I've never done it again. Never so that, just like you said, that brand loyalty extends beyond. But you know, does Heinz even really need it? I mean, Heinz is going to be a part of is already like you know branded in this region, and so yeah. I guess we all we about to learn about what Acrosure can do, and you know, <laughs> they'll probably do some community stuff. You know what I'm saying? And like you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. You know, we'll adjust. We'll adjust. I think people will be more. Hey, if the Steelers win, they'll be happy. If the Steelers lose, they might bring right. it on Acrosure. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and that's the gamble that Acrosure is taking. You're, you're right. 100. So I. Want to bring in community correspondent uh, for for uh, public source Jordan Hicks for this next segment of our conversation, um, and there's always plenty to talk about when we talk about racism in Pittsburgh. So uh, Jordan, is she there? Hey Jordan, I'm here. Hi family. Peace, peace. Always wonderful to have you on the show. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. So Jordan, we got lots to talk about about some of the interesting stuff that's been happening. Uh, I'll start light. The this new attack on Austin Davis, which to me was kind of ridiculous. Uh, I guess they're just looking, trying to look for dirt because that's politics. But they go back to something he said on Twitter or something in when he was what twenty two years old, twenty one or two twenty two years old. That was seen as I don't even know what it was. I, I'm 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 going to tell the truth. I forgot. I read it and went. This was a headliner. So is this business as usual? Just is it just going to die because it was such a weak attack, or do Republicans really have the um, how do I say this? They got their own issues. So do they really want to do this in terms of trying to go after Davis on something so minor? Do they want to do this? Yes. Will they continue to do it? Yes. Um, as we know, there have been far worse things said by political officials and representatives in the last four, five, six years. 
I really don't even hold a candle to what Austin Davis said when he was 21, 22. He's obviously since come out and apologized for those statements and said that he's done a lot of work to change his way of thinking and doesn't have those same thoughts or opinions any longer. But as we know, politics is a mudslinging fight. So anything that you put online is subject to be regurgitated, rebrought up, retweeted when it's convenient for an opposing party. But I think he'll be okay. Of course, some people are going to hold this until the very end, until it, their hand starts to get super arthritic and tight and they can't hold it anymore. But I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be able to survive this. I think it's slipping already. I mean, it, to me, it blew up for a day plus. And I, I don't know. I mean, I know the PG is still holding it as a as a news holder on their front page if you go out there on it. But I don't, I don't think it's getting much, much traction. But, I mean, we're going to start listing the inappropriateness of politicians, you know, we, we could do a whole three shows on that. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, um, Dr. Russell, at this point, I mean, you have a Republican governor candidate that went to the January 6th insurrection. I mean, so I, I mean, I mean, you know, and, and, and kind of like unapologetically has done so. I mean, this wasn't, this wasn't 10 years ago, you know, this was in, in, in 2021. So I think when you start talking about, I mean, if you're trying to use it for some type of morality play, um, I mean, you could pull out about, you know, you could have a book of Trump crazy things that Trump said that doesn't dissuade these folks from, from supporting him. Um, if anything, I think it'll have folks like, you know, knowing that if you're going to run for office, you got to go look at your past. But I actually, I'm going I'm to I'm be honest, I like, I, I I would rather you leave it up. And I think that it's, it actually is a point to say, this is how I was. I mean, I think about even me 10 years ago, um, I thought much differently on particularly some of these issues that are, you know, these wedge issues or issues that affect our, our community every day. I thought differently on it. And so like, yeah. if you still think the same way you do now, um, 10 years ago, I mean, I think there's some issues in terms of, um, you know, how you're growing and evolving as, as a person. So I, I, I personally don't mind it. I mean, it normally comes up when somebody gets drafted and they go back and they see all of these things. So, um, yeah, I, I think just like you said, I think it's something that he, he acknowledged it. He apologized, you know, it's really not about Austin Davis 10 years ago. It's like him now. And what is he going to do to help, you know, move Pittsburgh forward? But like Jordan said, I mean, it's much slinging season Anything they could get to try to stick on somebody, they're going to call it. This next year or so is going to going to get interesting. Speaking of January 6th, I had not been watching the hearings and decided to watch that last one. <laughs> I was not ready, y'all. That was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I, I actually thought I couldn't get any more surprised with the behaviors of these folks. But that hearing blew my mind. I mean, the testimony, I, listen to them talking about Trump attacking the, the security folks to try to force him to drive him so he could lead the rally and i was like this was off the chain crazy right and then you you find out we find out that um you know secret service members deleted their text messages from january 5th and january 6th um you know it is seeming like it was much bigger than we thought it you know like it wasn't just you know folks showing up it was like a planned coordinated attack to try oh, to yeah, keep, for days keep trumping off Question is, and this is the thing, and this is, you know, kind of moves us to what we were talking about. It's, it's interesting. I, I find it fascinating. I think this is why we do One Hood Media, how a group of white people can do this, but then also not be criminalized. 
right? Right. And 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 that and and just like you said, can run for office. And and I can imagine, you know, if 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 black people came together and we tried to take over something small, if it wasn't even the the capital, something small, um, it would be. We got out of the city county building and be in, in, in jail for the next thirty years. Right, we probably under the jail right now. You know what I'm saying? Are we? And, and so I think that's what's fascinating because, you know, on every level, as black people, like not only are we police, we're police, we're um, dehumanized and criminalized on every level, um, even if we don't do anything illegal or criminal. Um, and that's to me what's fascinating about you know what we see happening on the south side and all of this you know drama surrounding it. Ooh, so the south side. So you know, I was talking about when I first moved here in 2011. You know, hearing about the south side, driving through there, and I had a, a my son was with me at the time, and he would go over there and you know kind of hang out and. You know, it, but it had its rep already. And I don't know how long that was going on long before I showed up 12 years ago, but still, you know, and, and the rep was rowdy bars, folks bombing and peeing on buildings, uh, you know, a lot of young folks having a good time, out of control, people getting arrested on a, you know, every weekend. And then there was the incident, what was this, a week ago now? Has it been, how long has it been that the video got released? Yeah, about a week. Yeah. About a week where a young lady, unfortunately, made a decision to introduce her private parts to a, a drinking bottle, or we will say, in a club. And all of a sudden, and this has been building. It didn't start with that video. Right. But the more Black folks have been going down there, the more they have started to become the problem. I don't know that they escalated the problem. Her, you know, her behavior, I'm not condoning. But it's interesting now that um, any of the problems that are affiliated with what's been going on with Southside forever are now seen as a black thing. Am I overstating that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. It's just I'm like, how did how did we? I don't know, Jordan. What are you thinking about that? I mean, I I, I think you know, young lady made a, a poor choice, but uh, you know, did she ruin the Southside? Did she ruin this? Um, I think there's a few different places that we can go with this. So first off, I want to say that I'm sure the soundtrack to that party at the Scab Bar was encouraging women to do things with their vaginas. If we're, we want to use the like anatomically correct word, but we know there's another word. Okay. A five letter word. That yep. they were encouraging her to pop to, to do whatever. So I'm not gonna Oh Trump's word. Her. All right. Trump's I'm not word. going to demean her for right. having a good time and providing an extra layer of entertainment for the party goers. Especially when there were, and I don't want to throw this person under the bus, but if you've seen the video, there were people there with sky bar sky bar t-shirts on who I'm assuming were staff or employees who did not intervene, right did not tell there. her to stop, who did not say cut the music who stood there and condoned, not saying a grown woman needs to have her behavior condoned or not, condoned what she was doing, they were doing. So go off, have a good time. Also, this is a 21 and up um, venue. We're all adults. We understand what the vibe is. We understand what the vibe of the South Side is. Wild, crazy fun. And that's exactly what this person, her friend, 
and everybody else there was doing. They were having an extremely fun time. So I think that's that. Um, I think it's easy to demean and criticize this person because we love to make Black women a scapegoat for all issues on all levels at all times. So I hope she's well. I hope she's safe. I hope that your spirits are high wherever you are. I know that they were saying that they were trying to hold criminal charges against them what? for these acts. Yes. Um, I hope I hope you're well wherever you are, whoever you are. But also, if we tend to focus on, like, what is ruining Black night, like, nightlife? What is ruining... Um, Black businesses, since that's like the subtitle of today's conversation. The enemy of Black joy, Black culture, Black fun, Black nightlife, and the patrons who are Black to that attend these parties and attend Black businesses and serve these businesses has always been the same three villains since the dawn of time, which have been a lack of financial support, consistent financial support, development, and the rhetoric and the language used around how we talk about our culture and our fun and our businesses. And I think that this is an easy issue to focus on when there are so many other issues that we can be focusing on right now. I had a conversation with someone who is well-respected in the city and who I also... Uh oh We lost your audio. I say... There she is. Okay, you're back. Am I back? Yeah. You said well-respected um, in the city, and then we didn't hear you. Someone who is well-respected in the city and who I also uh, hold in high regard. And we were having an ish a conversation um, this morning about those three villains uh, to our culture and to our businesses and to our nightlife rhetoric, development, and a lack of financial support. And it seems like the conversation really should shift to those villains to make sure that these villains who ruined East Liberty, who well, really ruined the South Side and allowed institutions like Scabar and Foxtel into their residential neighborhood. Um, we should be focusing on that. And so those issues, I think they're easy to overlook. As my mom calls it, it's the underlay for the overlay. Um, <laughs> we're not talking about how KST could potentially not exist after 2029 right. with the redevelopment that's happening over there. We're not talking about how there's a lack of support and consistent funding for Black artists and Black entrepreneurs, even though every year there seems to be a new fund to help us out and then the money dwindles. Um, right. Having a conversation today with this trusted friend of mine, someone I respect highly, about the URA Ventures Fund and how this was established at the top of the year to serve Black entrepreneurs, to serve Black artists, to offer them resources and funds and a network in which they could grow their own resources and thrive within. And now that fund has been cut off with no direction on when it's going to be picked it up, picked oh, wow. up, why it's going away, with the application, um, the accepted applications where they are, are they in limbo? Are they going to return to them next year? Are they going to return to them in six months? So I think that it's easy for these people, whoever they are, who are not a part of our culture, who don't attend our events, who don't support our way of life and our joy and our joy practices, it's easy for them to point the finger and say that the issue is this thing, the issue is this crowd of people and how they like to enjoy themselves, even though they like to step into our culture and wear it as a costume and then go home. Um, it's easy for us to be victimized in that way but it's also important for us to have the correct conversation about who our villains are, who's attacking us, and what's at stake if we don't have the correct conversations, especially in public about what the issues are. 
Yeah. I mean, just in my time here, you know, some places have closed, uh, you know, shower lounge and some other things have, have just gentrification has just come through like Pac-Man and, you know, and so then you get blamed for not being able to survive the economic uh, injustice that that's happening that makes it no longer affordable. Um, part of the stereotyping. Uh, I just wanted to just add on. I mean, remember, we had to fight to keep the August Wilson Center downtown. You know, um, myself, Janera Solomon, Terrence Hayes, like Art, we all we all had to kind of come together, Vanessa German, and literally fight to prevent like a hotel from coming in and taking over the August Wilson Center in, in Pittsburgh just to still have it there. Um, and so, you know, uh, I just wanted to echo uh, what Jordan said. Um, and then also to say, like you said, like the Foxtel has hosted several rap artists, you know, uh, uh, Kurt Wiz, Ja Rule, Nelly, Fetty Wap. And so it's like, you can have these rappers come in, you can play our music, rap music, which is the number one genre of music in the world. You know what I'm saying? Right. In the entire world. So like you said, you want to like uh, profit off of our culture, you know, profit off of our artists, uh, but then you don't want us present or when we're present, we become the scapegoats for a club that you set up to be sexualized. You know what I'm saying? There's a pool at the sky bar inside the club. Like, so this wasn't a place where this wasn't the church. This wasn't some place that folks came in and was wearing suits and ties. This was bar going on there. hundred yeah. percent. And so like, but, but I think we are, it's like, you know, and, and then we're talking about a place for folks that are familiar with Pittsburgh, that it's been historically racist on the South side, particularly the club scene and who gets in and dress codes and different things where it's almost a rite of passage. If you're a new stealer that you're going to go over there and get arrested. Um, and so this is something that we know. And part of that landscape is the de-investment in black neighborhoods and communities where we don't get that financial support and investment to establish our own places that, with, that have our own culture and are comfortable serving our own communities. And so folks have to leave black communities to go shopping at grocery stores and to, to go to the movie theater, to go have some entertainment because of the, the lack of investment in our communities. We don't have those places in our communities. And then, but we still are to blame. Like, you know, you had, because you had mentioned it, you know, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette did a, uh, a story on Friday that said, did hip-hop and did rap and hip-hop music ruin the black nightclub life in 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 in, in pittsburgh which was a, and you are named the ruiners we already know and they know the ruiners you know what i'm saying but it's this idea that you want to create this narrative that all the problems on the south side are black people's fault and no one else's and 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 that and now businesses black businesses on the south side become under attack so i just wanted to just co-sign all of that yeah the fight that we have to have just to have, I mean, there was a whole conversation around the fact that we had this black music music festival this weekend and there was like no uh, uh, mainstream support for it, no mainstream publicity for it, even though it was a, 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 a beautiful event. Picklesburg got a lot of coverage, not necessarily um, this black. And that's pretty consistent. That, I mean, this, these have been major events packing the house really peaceful, beautiful, amazing music, well-organized. And it's, you know, without social media, what will we know? I mean, there, there have been none, none of the normal kind of normal 
kind of uses of mainstream media to, to really just go out of their way to support these events, which is just consistent. But then when the PG pulled this, this, this article, and I read this article that you talked about, I mean, there were a couple of references to, to, uh, to hip hop and, and R&B, but very little, but it was you know, basically, it was this nostalgic look back at, at what music was and, and this kind of, uh, old grumpy man kind of look back like we used to be so nice. We used to be able to dress up and go to nice places, but they've ruined it all for us. And I was like, what is the angle here? I, I, I didn't understand why you just have an article talking about that history without having to. It seemed like an article that a writer pitched to the Post-Gazette and it was about that, hey, it's Black, His Black Music Month. Let's take a look and do this look back. You know, we, we know about Pittsburgh's golden era of jazz, but there was also R&B scene. Right. And, and then it's like, okay, well, that's not edgy enough. We need something that's connected to, and, and that, that part about did hip hop ruin it, question mark. You can ask that. Did, did country music ruin black Pittsburgh's nightlife? You can ask a question about anything, right? Right. But, and it seemed like that was just that afterwards of a hook because that was not the story. Uh, yeah. and, and that's, I don't know if the editor actually did that. That's at best, I mean, that's one possibility. But the other, it's just a misread of history. And it, it coincides with, okay, well, R&B music, you know, yeah, R&B music was on its way out just because the industry was changing. Earth, Wind and Fire traveled with 17 people when it was really, who's the brand name? Maurice White and Philip, uh, Philip Bailey. Michael, you don't need all of the people in, in the Jackson 5. You need Michael. R&B was changing anyway. And so as the, the band concept, you know, this was all getting computerized. The era was changing. But so was everything else. The populations in Pittsburgh. The, oh, and the steel industry collapsed. And, and the population decline happened. And Black neighborhoods. All of these other changes that don't coincide with thriving clubs and nightlife from New Brighton to uh, Uniontown. Oh, and hip hop killed all of that. On oh, is Jay-Z and Jasiri's fault. <laughs> well, <laughs> he could take some blame, but I think I think it's a it, it was it's a it's a misread. It's just a selective part one coincidence in history. Oh, and at the same time, oh you, you know what? As soon as brothers start wearing jam shorts, nightlife went out. Right. And then it, it also ignores the history of the criminalization of jazz music, jazz Boom. clubs and jazz artists. I mean, like, come on, man. Like people wasn't down with jazz and, you know, Charlie Parker. Any people associated jazz with loose, you know, uh, uh, women with, with with drug use. You know what I'm saying? Like and so like the idea that you create this and you, you know, you don't even include that context of it. You know, or kind of like Jordan talked about, you don't include the context of the actual barriers that it takes for black people to own and operate a club in a place like Pittsburgh that was named the worst city in America for a black woman to live that traditionally has the poorest black communities in the country. And so when you look, when you leave that context out, you're actually right. doing a disservice to the people that are reading your article. And so then again, here we are as a community saying, can I trust this news publication? Does this news publication see my community as it truly is? Does it value it? Does it see it as a fertile ground for culture and art and expression and 
a true part of the city or is the city Picklesburg or is it the North shore or is it the new East Liberty? Right. Because obviously there's a certain look and there's a certain way of existing that fits into this new city that they are building that we are supposed to be a part of. Like you said, Jasiri, there was a part of the article where um, one of those sources said that, you know, back in the day, people would travel to Butler County. People would come from Charleroi. But what about the bus system? <laughs> How are we getting to Charleroi? How are we getting to Butler? How was that not a part of the conversation, the history? And also, I say this a lot just because I hold this to be true. But whose report do we believe? The same issues that we are talking about today can be found in a Rob Penny uh, play, an August Wilson play, yes. can be found in lyrics to songs written by jazz artists who have come out of this city. So who are we to say this is more true than August Wilson? The, shake, the American Shakespeare. This is just generational. And it, that's why I said the whole article found sound like a grumpy old man, uh, you know, back in the good old days. And then, but, but, it's, but it's much more cost, caustic and hostile right. because of the implications that it's, it, it's, and it's putting on Black folks. And, and the then putting on us for ruining things, the good, all the good things. And, and I also would like to say, because I, I kind of used it as a moment to say, this is why we started BlackPittsburgh.com. You know what I'm saying? And we created our, a space where we can tell our stories. Um, and so I used it to like, go, go like blackpittsburgh.com. You know, we've been trying to get Dr. Dr. Cheryl Hall Russell to, to <laughs> maybe y'all can jump in the comments and ask her to please start doing some, uh, but we've been consistently putting out stories. Um, we just did one on, uh, uh, uh Michelle Ganey, um, telling her story about, you know, how she was, uh, uh, influential in, you know, um, uh, Mayor Ed Ganey becoming our first mayor. And so um, that's that's my thing. It's like, let's support our platform. Let's, just, let's, let's support and encourage folks to support and read the voices that we do trust. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, 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 and the public- And don't buy into trust. this mess no. because, because it turns us, it becomes a us against them. I was looking 100%. at some of the quotes in the, in the article and, you know, it, and it just was so unnecessary, but I- you know, I won't, I won't stay there long, but you know, it was just, uh, it's us. I mean, it's, it's this city. And, and the other part of that, when we talk about the economics of it all, you know, they're, they're wanting us to disappear to a certain extent because we don't look like the, the flagship that they want to fly, but who's going to do the work? So we got a situation that, you know, they want us here long enough to handle the, the, the cheap labor, but you know, y'all just need to be quiet and go on and, and go and, and do this work for us. And, and the thing is, even then that's becoming a problem because we can't even afford to stay here. You know, uh, uh, Dr. Jamil over there, we're looking at statistics that are saying that we're still fleeing this city left and right. And I am looking at, you know, just the increase in the homeless population. Uh, homeless are popping up in places they never were before. This 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 joint's looking like, like uh, the last time I was in New Orleans, tents popping up everywhere. You know, what is happening with some of that? I know this is what in our topic, guys, but folks, the lower, the lower realm of the pay scale now are finding they can't even afford places to stay. We can't ignore this, you know, and that, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, that's a deeper topic to jump into, but. Uh, but no, I mean, I think, I think you're, you're, you're right. You know, and I think this is what we're seeing happen. Um, you know, we saw, I think when we look at this era, um, and you know, if we call it the COVID era, um, one of the things that also happened outside of the pandemic 
is one of the largest transfers of wealth um, in the history of this country also took place. Um, and so now when you have, um, you know, support for folks, you know, paying their rent um, and, 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 and kind of allowing to stay in their house, like the pandemic's still here. And in fact, people, more people are becoming, getting infected by COVID now, but those protections that were in place at one time are starting to fall away. And so you're going to see more, unfortunately, I think we're, we're going to see it get worse uh, before we get better. And I think it's for organizations like ours and individuals like ours that try to do what we can um, to support, you know, our community in these times. And acknowledge what's happening. Cause I mean, it's, it's, it's getting deep out there and the folks that I see in these tents don't look like the ones that I used to see in these tents. True. You know, some of these folks that have lost jobs and simply ain't, they don't have anywhere to go. And so, I mean, we got, we got to pay attention to that. So we and I do want to just plug this really quick short before we move on is there is any, anybody watching who is um, having issues with paying rent uh, who are low wealth families who may be in a situation where they may not know how to pay their rent next month. Please check into your community development corporations, your neighborhood groups. They may still have some funding for rent assistance, for utility assistance. I think this is the time is this time we have to redefine what community is for ourselves so that we are hopefully closer to the resources that are in alignment with what we need instead of looking to the higher powers of the big names who we are supposed to look to for help um, that may not be in a position to offer. Because again, um, I think history has shown us that the financial support is a sometimes the flimsy um, commitment for some folks. So definitely tap into your community organization to see where there may be help. I'm actually going to be facilitating a conversation with the Department of Human Services on the 27th of this month. And they're trying to figure out how to open themselves up more to community input all across a lot of issues. And we're going to be talking about, you know, what's going on with the homeless populations. We're going to be talking about how to get help uh, for, for in children's services without setting whole cases in place. You know, because a lot of times people are scared to ask for help because they don't they don't want a case with the with the county. And so we're going to be talking about just ways that DHS can become part more part a part of the community and provide input. And I know a lot of people have signed up for that. Uh, I think it's 11 o'clock on the 27th. Don't get me wrong. We'll post it later. But it's an opportunity to really dig into how that system is responding to some of the, the bigger crises that are going on right now in our community. So I know we, we had a couple of things we wanted to do today. And one was talk about that money. Well, how was that money being how was money being spent by our city? and invest it, what does the budget look like for uh, the city of, of Pittsburgh? And how are we having a say-so in, in what that budget is? One of the scariest things, uh, not scariest, but it's intimidating to think about the, the budgets that come out and they're about, I don't know, yay thick, and we're supposed to understand how things are being invested. And so we've got a guest on that's gonna help us wade through that. Uh, and Thando, Landaway, and hopefully I got his name pronounced properly, but he's a budget and policy analyst for the now renamed Three Rivers Economic Justice Circle, EJC, and also uh, with the Pittsburgh Budget and Policy Center. And uh, there, is he coming in? Welcome. Thanks so much for coming on. Yes, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to talk about uh, budget and policies. That's what I do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, budget and policy is not necessarily one of the sexiest things that we talk about on the show. And so what happens is people just kind of tune out. It seems too big and too, 
I can't influence it in any kind of way. And so we wanted you to come in maybe and help us a little bit talk about you know, like what's happening with the budgeting process and how the community can be a part of influencing what happens and the money that's coming into our own areas. Do we have any power in this? Yeah, yes, we do. Um, I think it's first important to kind of know why the budget is so important, right? Um, it's, I like to think of it as a, a moral document of the city, right? It shows how and where we prioritize our resources, uh, how we're addressing uh, people with the greatest needs, um, and where uh, we're actually spending this money in, in communities that have uh, seen disinvestment uh, historically. So it, it goes beyond just as we think of like city services of trash pickup or snow removal or EMS or fire. But really, if like you're looking, are we talking about if you're looking for an affordable place to live? Uh, if you're looking for to be in a neighborhood that has a gro grocery store, uh, if you're concerned about vacant property next to you, um, if you you know want to have more green space, you know, all these things uh, the city budget has influence over. And there's there's policy decisions being made. Uh, that influence all these daily aspects of our lives. Uh, so I, I think it's important to kind of uh, know that while the budget may seem kind of this esoteric uh, numbers and, and kind of separate from our daily lives, a lot of decisions being made uh, really influence, um, you know, how we live, who we interact with, uh, what our neighborhoods look like. I mean, Pittsburgh has 90 different neighborhoods and they all look a little bit different. And we can all kind of come to mind, Homewood looks different than, than Bloomfield. Um, and that's, you know, due to a lot of historical reasons and, and budgetary decisions. Um, and so getting involved, I think that's it's an important first step uh, for people to let their concerns be heard. And one thing I've been a strong advocate for is, is um, the people in, a, in the neighborhoods know what's best um, for them. You know, they, they're, they're on the grounds every day. They're, they're walking the neighborhoods. They're living, uh, you know, through their lived experience. They know uh, what their communities needs. And so uplifting those concerns, I think is, is going to be crucial. And there is a number of ways people can do that, uh, which I can get into or. Yeah. Well, I know there've been some, some budget hearings that are, that are starting now, but when you talk about, yeah, at that community level, you know, what's disappearing and what's not there anymore. You know what you have to travel a far away to, to get. Um, and so those are the kind of things, I guess, that need to just be bought up in your own, you don't have to know the numbers heavily to report that this need is not being met. Is that what you're basically saying? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, community came to that, whether that's through, uh, you know, local community organizations um, is a great kind of first foray into that um, to, you know, having that shared collective voice be heard, I think is, is very powerful um, hearing what, what your neighbors and other com larger community uh, feels. Uh, you know, attending community meetings. Um, there's been a number of community meetings uh, being put on by the city government itself and listening to what your elected officials are saying, you know, because that, that rhetoric and talking point is going to be a little bit different than what you hear and as a, a grassroots organiza organization. Um, you know, there's, um, you know, there's a number of budget surveys out there that you kind of mentioned before. Uh, there's the budget forums that are happening um, uh, or even just, you know, uh, following on social media, some of these uh, city departments, because uh, they can be very insightful. Uh, I know city planning uh, has a Instagram page and um, other social media accounts, and they regularly kind of, they post what projects are up for review. Um, so that can be a good way to just kind of track what's going on without um, dedicating like I don't know, hours of your time necessarily. 
Dr. Bay, you were part of, of getting this whole thing launched at the uh, this economic justice circle. I mean, what what were you guys thinking about at the beginning of this about why this was needed? I mean, so, so in in the beginning, the conversation was around one as Nathaniel was saying, how are we? We know where neighborhoods where where disinvestment has happened, and it's important for us if we are advocating. You know, the budget is supposed to be this. This is shows us where your priorities are. And when we want to deal with, can we better understand the budget? You know, so you're telling us you don't have money for this. What do you have money for since it's our money? And the budget was very, very complicated document. It was, you know, there was, I think at one point we were looking at, there were more than 30% of the budget was in the other category. Wow. So this just looks like a, just an easy way this money is unaccounted for. And whether it was or not, and I'm not saying that it was, we had no way to say, well, what is your priority if it's in this other category that's not disclosed to, for public scrutiny? And so what we know that we needed, it was all beyond, you know, between Brandy uh, Fisher, Juan Garrett, uh, Jennifer Kennedy. And, you know, it was all beyond, we don't have the time or the experience and expertise to dig into that. And so we needed some help. And so, you know, we put out job description and found in Vando to help us better understand and advocate for better budget democracy, better policies and better input. And so, but first we needed to understand what's in the budget, you know, and it's initially it was the city budget, but we'd like to also understand the county budget. Yeah, I was kind of surprised at, at the lack of input. Um, I was talking to uh, Liv Bennett at one point and she was saying, you know, they would hold hearings that just nobody shows up and they, their budget is massive and right. really does impact our, our day to day. And she said, you know, if you get three people in there, you were doing good. But the thing is they purposely, you know, kind of obfuscate with those budgets and make them so difficult to read that, you know, people don't even know what part of it they're showing up to. You don't want to feel like a fool when you walk in the room and say, you know, well, we need so-and-so. And they're like, we don't even do that. You know, because you, you just didn't understand it. So I know that was part of, of the job that you guys wanted to do was to make sure that, you know, common everyday folks like me <laughs> who don't want to dig through 1300 pages, uh, have an idea of, of what's coming, you know, our way. Is it broken down like that at all? Uh, and Dondo, did you, is there a way to kind of see yourself in that budget in your neighborhood and, and, the, and the budgets, the way they're now created? Um, yeah, I mean, now it's, it, yes and no. Uh, so, I think part of the no is that we're still, you know, one thing I push for is is a increased transparency. And especially when you're looking at budget, just kind of line item by line item, it doesn't really paint the true picture of the programmatic kind of uh, uh, structure of, of how these budgets operate. Um, and so, you know, it's easy to see how much is spent on um, uh, city planning or, or even how much they spend on garbage trucks. But, you know, where is that garbage refuse being picked up around the city? Um, you know, how those how how is equity put into those decisions uh, baked into the budget? You know, that to me is, is still a lot of more work to be done. And is sometimes it's unclear. Uh, a lot of times yeah. it's unclear. Um, so, you know, I think more more the answer may be no than yes. Um, there, there are certain specific areas where it's kind of easier to find. Um, like if you're looking looking at where funding goes for parks or, or affordable housing, um, 
you know, that's a little bit easier to, to dice out. But it still takes a little bit of investigative work, even for me, uh, to figure figure all that out. The budget is not. Uh, Are you guys creating tools that may make it easier for people to understand the budgets? Yes. So, so there are a number of tools that 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 there are available. Uh, fiscal, fiscal focus is one of them. Uh, fiscal focus Pittsburgh PA gov. Uh, you can kind of see the budget and play around with the numbers. But but again, you kind of still face that similar issue of like, you can see the numbers, but where where is this kind of impacting me in my neighborhood? Uh, that's still kind of lacking. Um, and even at Engage Pittsburgh, uh, you know, they have a number of projects and, and um, um, uh, initiatives that they are putting forward, but it's not always tied to explicit budget expenditures year by year either. So, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of a disconnect, right? You can kind of piece together, it takes a little bit of work to piece together what is going on where. Um, and to get that holistic picture uh, takes a lot, a lot, a lot more digging. Um, so how does Jasiri know what's coming into, uh, into his head? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, um, I know that pre previously, I know the previous administration had talked about wanting to have kind of this racial equity lens over the preparation of the budget are you seeing that uh and 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 how if so like how is that being reflected in in what you're seeing right so i mean that's something also you know i've, I've heard many times before and and uh that you know equity decisions are being baked into these kind of budgetary decisions right I, I've, I've heard that before but you know, usually my response is, okay, well, well, show me, uh, show me these numbers, show me how these decisions, show me the metrics, uh, and that's where, you know, I've <laughs> people like, oh well, you know, they kind of throw up their hands like it's there, it's there. I'm like, well, if you can't prove it, is it really there? Uh, and, and how much are you actually doing this, right? Because uh, the proof is in the pudding, right? There, we walk around these neighborhoods, you know, we can see this. This is very evident to me, uh, to to everyone walking around, uh, and so. I think it's it's important that we, um, you know, hold hold our elected officials' feet to the fire and and making sure that there's that feedback loop where as we give input, uh, that input is reflected in, in budgetary decisions and shown how it's reflected as well. Right? Uh, it's it's one thing to have a survey, but to show how that survey influences the budget, to show the responses, to show, um, you know, especially when you're dealing with the capital budget and, and long term expenditures to show how the input is being uh, incorporated into these long-term decision-making. Um, so. so I had an, one more question. Mm -hmm. um, is So I'm assuming the budget conversations are happening right now. Um, is there a, a particular deadline for, you know, when we can kind of get involved or, or conversate? And like, like, what would you recommend, like, you know, we have a community organization, we're interested obviously in a more equitable, um, you know, uh, uh, dis distribution of the resources of the city. Is there a way we can kind of like uh, uh, advocate for different aspects of this process? Yeah, um, I, you know, I would say it's never too late to be involved, um, even as these decisions are ongoing. Uh, but yeah, I think as a as a community organization, uh, depending on like what you're what you're interested in. Um, whether that's involved reaching out to the city council members, uh, the departments themselves that that may, uh, you know, each department kind of submits their own budget to to the to OMB uh, Office of Management and Budget and to the mayor's office, and that all kind of gets combined. Um, so whether it be conversation with 
with city departments, uh, city officials, even the mayors, people in the mayor's camp. Um, and, you know, there's 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 mechanism in place where uh, there's like recognized uh, community organizations, RCOs that are really meant to uh, uplift the voices of communities. Um, uh, so, you know, as as the budget has been prepared now, actually, there was a budget form yesterday on the operating budget. Um, it's online. You can find um, you can find it on YouTube, but the, the city's uh, Pittsburgh YouTube channel. Um, um, and actually, the, I believe the, the operating budget actually just closed yesterday as well. Um, so unless it's that extended. Um, but, you know, I will always be on the lookout for those opportunities, whether it be official um, uh, avenues to give input or unofficial or just kind of uh, reaching out to uh, those decision makers. I think that's and you can do that as an individual as well. Right. Um, I don't think that should be limited to to organizations. Um, as individually. But it can't it can be overwhelming though. And I think the part about talking to your at least your council person, uh, which is it probably a, the least intimidating of, you know, I don't know if you're gonna call the the head of whole departments, um, because you're not you feel like you're not really sure even what you're asking them. And I but I think it goes back to the beginning of what you said about moral priorities, you know, that that that's what this reflects, the morality of a of a city. And asking your counselor about what they prioritize. What you what are you prioritizing going in? into this budget, what are you gonna fight for for us in this budget? And having that kind of email or, or phone call to figure out what their priorities are. So you're not shocked and so you know, you know, and what what is your council concerned about may or may not be coming into your community and how do you help ensure that that comes in? I mean, is that how you wanted to see some of this, uh, Jamil, as you think about how this, this, you know, EJC was put together to be able to give folks enough information to be able to, to um, to advocate for themselves. One to advocate for themselves, and and two, to you know, for for me, it's about justice. And we see the same folks being excluded, the same communities being disinvested, and you know, we don't believe we're so used to it. We don't think this is a tool. This is this is a direct way that we can put pressure. How's that money being spent? When your counselor tells you, well, that's not possible, it's not in the budget. Well, damn it, put it in the budget. What's your job? How do we make it happen? And I think it gives us that sort of, you know, you're, you're speaking from a place of information once mm -hmm. you know how this thing works. Yeah. I think one of the things that I, I was hearing from uh, Mayor Ganey is, you know, he, he wanted more kind of community involvement in these processes. But, you know, they, they do remain a little difficult. To, to get into. And, um, you know, I appreciate that, you know, the idea that he, he wants that to be easier. Things are now on YouTube and on Facebook, you know, these meetings are happening. Uh, I just, I just really, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this here today is to encourage people to, to really try to learn a little bit more about it because whatever they make decisions on now are going to impact you for this next year. This happens every year. And, you know, those areas that there is some adjustments that can be made that 30% you talked about, in the fuzzy column, uh, let's let's have some of that come out to support some of the things that you care about. Jordan, what you want and money for? I want money for better infrastructure. I want money for more RCO organizations who are on the, the grounds in the community doing a lot of the work um, as an arm or extension of the city. Um, I want the parks fixed. I want trees healthy and cut back where they're obstructing traffic. Um, I want more crossing guards on the street and at intersections. I want more community residents being brought into the fold as crossing guards. That's what I want. 
But I was going to say um, that the city for the she last three or four years, I always have a list now. Um, the city uh, for the last three or four years have been operating an organizing academy for city of Pittsburgh residents who are interested in learning more about how the city functions, what are the different departments of the city, who makes the decisions, what is public works versus public safety. Um, if you reach out to the office of the mayor, I'm not sure if that opportunity or that specific program has already run its course this year or, you know, because of COVID, of course, things are like just now kind of getting back into the regular rotation, but definitely reach out to the office of the mayor to see if that program is in place, if they're going to do it next session, next season, next year. Um, I know specifically a part of that six week process is learning about the budget. What are restrictive funds? What are the categories that money is going to? What are the rounds and different draft processes that the budget has to go through to get approved? When does city council see it? All of those types of things are things that are included in this six week course that um, comes out of the office of the mayor. So call your city representative, call your, your uh, neighborhood representative, call Bruce Krause, call somebody um, and see if that, if that program is still happening if you are interested. Unfortunately, it does take a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of dedication to understand these things, but knowledge is power at the end of the day. And we need this information to be able to be informed about what's happening in our neighborhoods and how it's going to affect us. Yeah. Cause I mean, we see the, we see it once things are not going well. Uh, and we're trying to encourage people to get their voices in before, you know, the final gavel goes down and we end up stuck with something for a year that we, you know, that's not attending to our needs, you know? So I know we're getting closer in the last couple of minutes of, of the program. Uh, what's coming up over the next couple of weeks you guys want to keep the eyes on the prize about? Uh, Jasiri, you got anything coming up that you want to share with our yeah, listening audience? We have been, um, we've been collaborating with Point Park and uh, the Pittsburgh Playhouse downtown. So we're doing a um, Poetry Slam, Next Level Slam this Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. Also in collaboration with the Alumni uh, Theater Company. Shout out to ATC. So um, if you're interested in coming, it's, a, it's cash prizes for First place, second place, third place. So if you're interested, being part of a poetry slam, winning some winning some bread. If you got the bars, come through Pittsburgh play. Well, you got to sign up. We have a sign up. You know, we'll drop that. Um, if actually, if you go to One Hood Media's uh, Facebook page or Instagram, we have that information. So encouraging people uh, to be a part of that. And then on July 30th, um, we're gonna have another installation of People, Politics, and Power. Uh, we're doing that in coordination with. Um, uh, social status and their be social uh, part. So that'll be right on Penn Avenue. We're going to have food, free food. We're going to have music. We're going to have art and culture. Hopefully we're going to have um, some speakers come into town for it and just encouraging folks to get a, a, a involved in the political process. We talked a little bit about it at the top of the show. It's going to be a pretty intense and crazy political season. It's already super divisive and, and so much is on the line in this um, you know, um, um, these upcoming pieces, including, you know, making history with our first uh, our Black um, Congress uh, person in this area. Um, so just encouraging people to get involved and, and vote. So join us July 30th at um, Social Status in East Liberty, and we're going to do some giveaways and do all that and get busy. Yay, we love giveaways. Uh, Dr. Bay, you got anything coming up? Other than supporting that agenda, <laughs> no, I'm good. I said, you know, this is important time for us to be involved politically. Uh, so, you know, pay attention to the budget, pay attention to who's running for office, and let's hold these folks and these institutions accountable. 
Okay. I do want to mention one more time that the Department of Human Services on the 27th of July, I think it's at 1130, they're going to do a, a state of human services, but really, really are encouraging the voices of people who um, in the communities to talk about what's going on. They do so much. Good Lord. Um, I, I'm working with them now and didn't realize the depth and breadth uh, of the work they do and, and in a lot of it in our community. So we need to have a say about what we see and what we want in our communities. And so if you can make that call, I'm going to put it all on my social media from Twitter to to uh, Instagram and on my Facebook pages, and uh, I'll make it available to, to one headed as well to make sure that you guys know when that's happening. And Jordan, I have a few announcements. So anybody who is interested in um, what's developing with the budget, what's happening downtown, please go on the publicsource.org. Uh, our reporter Charlie Wolfson and Rich Lord do a wonderful job of reporting what's happening civically in the city. We have an amazing series right now called Unbalanced that focuses on how property tax assessments are created in the area. Is it legal? Is it illegal? Is it better in some places? How does it affect the county? Um, myself as the host of From the Source podcast, we're coming back in the fall um, for season four. So if you have any ideas on what we should focus on or multi-award winning podcast, by the way, um, <laughs> any topics, it's I got to stud real quick. Um, any topics or subject areas that you think would be important for us to focus on, you can email me at Jordan, that's J-O-U-R-D-A-N at publicsource.org with any thoughts or concerns. If you want to leak something to us, if you want to give us a tip on something, if you want to write a first person essay about something that you're passionate about or that you just want to share with the general greater Pittsburgh community, you reach out to me individually and I will direct you on where to go. Nice. Nice. All right. Any, any, any last words? Any other last words? Looks like we lost your Siri. Yeah, he had to go at three and I got to jump into something else too. So All right. So we'll make it a wrap for, for this week. We will be back hopefully in two weeks for what Black Pittsburgh needs to know. Uh, appreciate our guests. Thanks, guys. You provided so much amazing information. Thank Always you, Dando, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you. We're out. Thanks. See you two weeks. Bye-bye.